your goodness and your mercy. Lord, there is no other God but you. You are holy. Hallelujah. Father, you sit on a throne of goodness and mercy and wonderful. God, you are a wonderful counselor. You are all things mighty. You are all things mighty, Father. All power is in your hands, God. All power is in your hands. All power is in your hands, Lord. You cause the sun to rise and to set, Father. Hallelujah, you caused the rain to fall. Hallelujah, hallelujah, you made the oceans, Father, and the seas, Father. Hallelujah, the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to you, Lord God. Hallelujah, 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 the wilderness is yours. Hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, that you are with us everywhere. Hallelujah, bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, just for being able to worship you. Thank you for being brought into the knowledge of who you are sooner rather than later, Father. Thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to us. Thank you, Father, for coming and dwelling among us, Lord. You inhabit the praises of your people, Father. Help us, Lord, to furnish a place for you to come and dwell. Dwell among us, Lord. Dwell among us, Lord. Dwell in us. Dwell around us, Lord God. Dwell with us. Go before us, Father. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your deliverance. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to you with anything, God. Thank you, Lord, that you already know before we get there and you are prepared, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you have a plan, Lord, that can rival anything that comes up against us in our lives, Father. You're not thrown by anything that we are thrown by, Father. Nothing surprises you, Lord, and you can work with anything, Father, because you will always have a backup plan. You are the backup plan, Father. Lord, help us to remember that when we are backed against a wall, that you are the wall, Lord God, and that nothing can strike us down, Father God. Nothing, Lord, can strike us down and conquer us, Lord, because you fortify us, Father. You fortify us, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your strength when we are weak. Thank you, Father, for building us up when we are torn down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We cannot thank you enough. If we had 10,000 tongues, it would not be enough to praise you for what you've done. And it would take eternity, Lord God, to tell everything you have done for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, here we are again, giving your name the praise for all you've done for us in oh so many ways. We come to give you the glory. We come to give you the honor. Because you have been good, Lord, we come to give you the praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You are welcome here. You're welcome here. You're welcome. Come flood this place and fill this atmosphere, Lord. Your glory is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Bless your holy name, Jesus. We honor you this day. We honor you this day, Lord. You are worthy, yet and still, of all glory, honor, and praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In everything, we give you thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you this day. We bless your name, for you are all things holy, Lord God. Your name is above all names, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
think that is safe to say. Partially given to the time of year, but just because of life in general, I think a lot of us could say that we are in a season, whatever the name of your season is. I feel like if sacrifice of praise was a season, this is probably what it would look like. But I just want to remind you that your sacrifice is worth something to God. It means something to him. Hopefully it means something to you. It should be hard for you to let go of. If you are struggling, it's supposed to be hard because it's a sacrifice and sacrifices are not easy. They're not meant to be, it's meant to cost you something. But what you get from God in return will always outweigh what you've given him. And if you don't have a lot to say today, if there is no song in your heart, that's okay. The widow in the Bible, she gave two mites because that was what she had. And God did not require more of her than what she was able to give him at the time. So don't be discouraged. Do not allow the enemy to downplay your sacrifice, your offering, because it is just as valuable as any other size offering that anybody else can ever give. So I'm gonna encourage you today. If all you have today All you have today is two mites. If all you have today is two mites, it's enough. It's enough. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Bless your holy name, Jesus. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to your mighty name, Jesus. You are holy and you are worthy, oh God. We bless your name in this place. Hallelujah, yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We lift our hearts to you, Father. Hallelujah, we present to you our brokenness, Lord. Hallelujah, bless your name, Jesus. Gathered at the highest throne, welcomed by a melody, an anthem I have always known, a song that's always been in me. All glory and honor, dominion and power to you. down on the floor all to echo holy is the Lord my heart can't help but sing with all of heaven roar forever echo holy is the Lord oh, oh, oh. forever echo holy is the Lord Bye. 
Three holies isn't enough. It's not enough. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your holy name, God. Hallelujah. 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 Bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. No matter the mountain, no matter the valley, there's a name above it all no matter the testing no matter the breaking there's a king above it all 
it's worship and it's true hallelujah if the person next to you said God I thank you and you don't know what to say God I thank you will do hallelujah 
Bless your name, Jesus. Glory to your holy name, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're welcome. We encourage you to worship in your way. Hallelujah. Open your mouth and let your sound be heard. Hallelujah. The Father is interested in hearing your sound and your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because to him, it is music to his ears and it is music to his heart. And sometimes what, what, what somebody pointed out, Pastor John pointed this out to me this morning, that sometimes when you worship and you hear uh, maybe a song will come to you or a scripture comes to you or just an encouraging word, he says, sometimes the Lord sings back to you. Because he's not the kind of God that will just sit on the throne and be worshipped. He could do it because he's God. But he chooses to respond to us. Because that's what, he, that's what you do when you love somebody. When somebody is telling you how much they love you. After a while, don't you get the urge to say, I, I love you too. I love you too. You care about me that much? I care about you too. You want the best for me? I want the best for you too. I love you. I love you too. Listen, listen for him. Listen for him. If you don't know what he sounds like, ask him to open your ears and you will hear him in your way. He will speak to you in a tailor-made way, the exact way that you need to hear it. The exact way that you need to hear it. And for everybody, it's different. But don't be, don't be tied down. Don't let life, just, just for this one moment, don't let life hold you captive. Let your heart be free to worship. Even if your mind and your body are still struggling, just let your heart be free to worship. Lord, I honor you. I bless your name, Jesus. You are holy and you are worthy, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. We bring a sacrifice of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah, we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of praise. Hallelujah, I believe the Lord sang that back to me this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But that's what he's saying back to me. What's he saying to you? What's he saying to you? What's he singing to you? What's he singing to you? I don't hear anything. You're welcome to let it out. Like, you're welcome. And it's okay if you don't know what to say. Just mimic what you heard. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, Lord God. Hallelujah. Bless your, bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You are great forever. You change my fate forever. I'll praise your name forever. There is no God but you. To the King of Kings, Lord, you reign forever. Thank you, Jesus. You are great 
forever. You changed my face forever. I praise your name forever. There is no God but you. You are holy. Hallelujah. This is the is higher than I. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Hear my cry, O oh Lord. Yes. Attend fire. unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. But when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That is higher than I. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty, the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple temple of the Lord. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. Thank you, Lord. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, church, the Bible says, yet will I praise him. Yet will I praise him. See, when you're going through the mountaintops, it doesn't require a yet, I will praise him. It's when you're in the valley. It's, 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 it's when you're going through it. It's, it's when you're, you're going through the valley of a shadow of death that you have to say, yet, Lord God, I'll praise you. Yet, I'll praise you. Yet, I'll praise you. Because I know my Redeemer lives and I know he's going to set his feet on this earth again. Yet I will praise you. Father, come on church. Father, we praise you today. Jesus, we praise you today. Yet we will praise you, Lord God. Daddy, in the midst of what we're going through, we'll praise you. In the midst of our emotion, we'll praise you. In the midst of our lack, we'll praise you. In the midst of our hurt, we'll praise you. In the midst of our sickness, we'll praise you. In the midst of, our, uh, 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 of the tragedies of life, we'll praise you. Yet we will praise you. Because though we walk through the valley of a shadow called death, we will fear nothing. Because the Lord, you are my shepherd. And when you're my shepherd, we shall not want. You bring me beside the still waters. God, I pray today that you bring this church, you, you bring these men, these women, these young people beside the still water, Lord God. 
The still water of the Holy Spirit that refreshes. The still water of the Holy Spirit that revives. The still water of the Holy Spirit that brings peace beyond understanding. Daddy, I thank you. That you draw near to the brokenhearted. And you're the savior of the crushed spirit. And it doesn't matter how we came in today. That in your presence we can leave changed. So we surrender all. You know, church, that song, old song that I used to sing when I was just a lee, wee little boy. Or as Lisa would say, wee little lad. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust thee. In your presence daily live. Shay, can we just sing that really quick? Father, that's our prayer. Those easy words, but such hard choices. Daddy, we surrender to you. Jesus, you're our king, our sovereign, our Lord, our savior. You're the master of this place. We're not here for religion. We're not here for a Christmas holiday. We're here to celebrate the one true king. The one who came and, and died and rose again is seated at the right hand of God, Father Almighty, and will one day step off that throne to come back and bring his children home. Jesus, this is about you. Come and be glorified. We surrender willingly to you. Let your kingdom come. Church, come on. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done today in our lives and in this place as it is already in heaven. In Jesus' name. And together in faith we say amen and amen. Come on, let's give God just a bit of praise, a shout of praise for glory. Lord, we love you, Jesus. You're worthy. You're worthy, 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 you're worthy. You're worthy today. Oh, hallelujah. Oh. 
Whether you are praising through smiles or praising through tears today, he's received it all. He's received it all. I love what Shayla said. You know, God doesn't just sit back and receive praise. He actually steps into it. Woo! Wow, what could happen if we could learn from God? To step into the praise. The Bible actually says he dances with us. It's, it's a pretty cool moment when we think about God, the, the, especially when you were raised maybe, maybe like I was, where, where God was, uh, yes, stoic God. He was God the Father. Long beard, very angry. And he's up here doing you know, the gritty with you and all. That's awesome. That's what the Bible says. He twirls around you every time you open your mouth to praise him. He meets you where you are. I don't know about you, but this week I needed him to meet me where I was. And where I was this week wasn't always on the mountaintop. Where I was sometimes was in the deep valley. You know, my God is not scared of the valley of the shadow of death because he understands he's the king of it all. And everywhere he goes, he brings light. And it may be dark where I am, but when he shows up, the darkness has to flee. Because he is who he is. He cannot be something different. He is who he is. So I don't know what you're going through, but I know this, that his presence changes everything. He may not change the circumstance, but I promise you, he will change you in the circumstance. My God is able. My God is love. I'm so glad you're here this morning. You don't know you're lifting my spirit just by being here today. Could I... Just last, before we sit down, see, this is why being in the house is important. Because there's something that happens when you walk in a room and you see other brothers and sisters. They may not even be going what you're going through, but you know they're going through. And they're still lifting up their hands and they're still lifting up their voices and the Spirit of God is present. Something rises inside of you. You didn't have listening even to worship in the car on the way over. You didn't have simply uh, 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 sitting on the couch this week watching the football games. What, what happens is when you gather together, the Spirit shows up and something is lifted. Mm. You are in the right place this morning. Thank you for your sacrifice of being here today. Thank you for everything it took for you to be in this house. Thank you for showing up. Thank you. We mean it. And if this is your first or second time here, thank you for being here. Thank you for being our guest today. Welcome to Connect Church. As you heard us say today, man, we're all about Jesus. It's what it's all about for us. And so we, we pray that you make this your home. We pray you consider this uh, your community. This is how we want to do life together. So as a community, before you're being seated, why don't you turn and say hi to somebody. Give them a high five. Kiddos, you can follow Pastor Kevin out with a big sign. Give, uh, hey, give the, give the kiddos and the kids' ministry a hand as they're going out as well. Love these guys. Love the next generation. Love what they're doing. Kevin and Lisa are crushing it. Everybody wish my brother Chris a happy birthday. This week was his birthday. Chris, you look fantastic for 67, bro. 67, you look great. 
That brother is amazing. I love him. He, what, a, what an amazing man. Just got through surgery, still using his gifts for God. Man, I'm so, so thankful for him. So thankful for Shayla. Before we hop into the word this morning, we have two life moments in church this week. Two moments in what, when we talk about doing life together, what this is what it looks like. Uh, for some of you who may not know, a little over a week ago, um, our dear sister, our CFO, someone who's walked with Danielle and I for 20 years here, Sharon Smith, went to be on with the Lord today, last week. So when, when we were singing, all the angels are crying out, holy, holy, that's all I could see. Because she loved to worship. But we have a celebration of life service for her this coming uh, Thursday. And, uh, and the, 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 the receiving line will start here at 10 out uh, in the lobby. And then uh, service will follow at 11. And we want to invite you to be a part of that whatever way you can. If you uh, can only be here for the receiving line, if you can only be here for the service, if you can only be praying on that day for us, we'll, we, 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 we want to celebrate Sharon's life. And that's part of... One of the essential things we do as the life of church. And then on Sunday night, we do, we're, we're going to do something that was one of Fa Sharon's most favorite things to do, uh, which is uh, the, the Christmas toy store. Um, and uh, if you've never been a part of our Christmas toy store before, um, we, uh, it's our pleasure and it's our privilege to um, make gifts available and meals available and presents available to kids and families in our community um, who may not be able to, to have that. And in this economy today, how many people know that there's going to be, there could be a lot of people uh, without presence under the tree? And um, we, we, we get to be a part of that. And so on Sunday night uh, at 530, um, the, this parking lot will be filled. We, we have a waiting list already, a waiting list. We're, we have over 500 children that will be receiving uh, gifts. We don't do gifts anymore. We don't do toys anymore. What we do is we give gift cards to the parents so that the parents, so mom and dad can go out and pick out the gift. So mom and dad feel like they have dignity. This is a dignity moment. Like, 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 it's great that we get to take pictures of presents and show how many presents, but man, there's something. We want to empower parents. And we'll get, we give them a big meal for a uh, big uh, Christmas breakfast meal box from TKC and hot chocolate and all sorts of goodies. And look, there's a lot of ways that you can be a part of that. You can give uh, an offering today. You'll notice uh, online there's a, a section that you can give there for that. We still uh, are in need of money as well as, look, the more that comes in, the more that goes out, right? Uh, you can be serving. Come and serve. Be a part of it. It's a phenomenal night. Every time people get saved. Our, our teams are out there sharing the gospel as well. Uh, come be a host. Walk people through the building. Be a part of their life. Just encourage somebody. Uh, be here and just wave people into the parking lot. It's just awesome. So right after service, you can sign up for that uh, out at the table as well. I just wanted to invite you to those life moments this week because that's what doing life together looks like. It's not about a Sunday morning event. It's how do we do community together. Amen? 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 All right, you guys ready for the word? 
I'm ready for the word this morning. Hey, let me just say this. Uh, up here, it, uh, uh, Advent started uh, last week. Um, and uh, it, uh, last week was Advent is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. Um, and uh, last week was hope. And uh, obviously, uh, we talked about hope when we talked about Sharon. And this week, this candle that's up here is uh, the candle of faith. The candle of faith. Uh, because that's actually what we have. We, we don't have... Uh, we don't have a religion, we have faith. We, we, we don't have works that get us into heaven, we have faith. We, we don't have a, a sense of righteousness that comes from our own self. We have faith in Jesus that brings righteousness into our life. We have faith. Faith changes everything. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. So since you have your Bible, why don't you open with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. He was a tax collector. He was a messed up dude who got, just like you and I, who had a checkered past. And yet when he encountered Jesus, everything changed. So uh, can I just say to you today, it doesn't matter where you've come from. Um, unless you're wearing an Alabama football t-shirt and then you're not allowed. No, I'm just kidding. I saw my brother in Alabama. I went to Tennessee, so it's, it's a little rivalry there. Um, the, look, it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter where you've come from. There's redemption in Jesus. If you need a title for today's message, it's Raising an Adopted Vision. How do we raise a vision in our life that does not come from us? Many of you may know, a few months ago, uh, Danielle and I, my wife, ado- we, we, uh, we got a new puppy. We got a new puppy, Harlow, and you saw her a few weeks ago here if you were in church. And, uh, and, and when you get a new puppy, you bring them into your family, right? Uh, you, you, you're adopting them into your family. You're treating them like they're part of the family. You, you're, you're taking care of them like they're part of the family. Family. You don't treat them like a barnyard animal. You don't treat them like some wildlife that just kind of strode up like a, 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 a squirrel or a raccoon that happened to be in your backyard. You, you adopt them into your family. They're your own. They're, come on, somebody. They're your own. Like, you didn't birth them. You didn't have them. But you treat them now, you have adopted them now into your family so that now they are your own. You have concern for them. You have love for them. You raise them up as if they are your own. Matter of fact, some of us treat our pets better than other family members. Amen. That's just the way that it works. But let me ask you this. I wonder, I was wondering about this this week. Do we feel and think the same way about God's vision for our lives? Do we feel and think the same way about God's vision? Because the same thing is absolutely true. It's not our vision for our life that we are asking God to bless, but it's God's vision for our life that we have to surrender to, embrace, and raise up. We didn't birth it. You do realize you didn't birth God's vision for your life. God's vision for your life was there before you were in your mama's womb. God's vision for your life was there before the time began because God is outside of time and space. He saw you before there was a you, before there was even any parents that could make you. He saw you. He knew you. He knew the you you were going to be. And so the vision for your life does not originate in us. It is birthed from the omnipotent, omniscient, compassionate creator God who speaks everything into creation and actually has a plan and purpose for our life. He doesn't just have a dream for you. He has a will for you. There is a life for us in Christ. The truth is, my friends, we didn't adopt God into our family like some supernatural kind of pet. 
We were adopted into his family. Christianity is not about getting God to fit into our lives, getting God to fit into our dreams, our jobs, our lifestyle, our time frames, but rather it's about submitting ourselves to raising and being raised within God's vision for our life, within the parameters of God's family structure. How, what's the dynamic of God's family? What's allowed in God's house? What, what, what kind of parent is God? Because that's what we've become adopted into. That's why Romans 8, 5, 15 is so encouraging to us. It says, man, when we come to Jesus, we did not get a spirit of slavery. He didn't save you and then make you a slave. The Bible says when you came to Jesus, he gave you a spirit of sonship. You were adopted. He calls you his. We get to wear his name. That's why you and I get to call him daddy. That's, it's why you hear me say daddy a lot because in my life, father has a connotation. Daddy, is some, there's something sweet about it. There, there's something inviting about it. And I think when I've grown up in the Northeast, we hear so much about God the Father. And it's so all overpowering. And he is almighty and overpowering. And how many of you know sometimes mama had to say, wait till your father gets home. And you were like, oh, no, right? Because she didn't say wait till daddy gets home, right? Like, like when we were going to go out for ice cream, she'd be like, wait for daddy. We're going to wait for daddy. When you were in trouble, she was like, wait till your father comes home. And that's why a lot of times I call him daddy. Because that's the spirit he gave us. This thing that says I'm part of who he is now. In our text today, what we're going to see is that Joseph found himself in a position where he had to raise an adopted vision. It wasn't birthed from within him. It wasn't how he saw his future, how he saw his dream. But when he said yes to it, it was the way that he honored God and the way that he could worship God. And when he chose to say yes to raise the adopted vision, it not only changed his life, but it changed the world. When we say yes it has the power not only to change your life, but to change the world he placed you in. There's power to change the world God placed you in. Where you are is not a mistake. The job you're in, the family you're in, the friends you're connected to, not a mistake. God has placed you there with a will and a purpose. And when we say yes to that will and purpose, it has the power not only to save us from our sin, but to actually change the world that we're in. The Bible says this in Matthew 1, 18. Now the birth of Jesus, it's Christmas time, uh, was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed, they were engaged to Joseph. Before they came together, you know what that means. She was found with child uh, of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example of her, was mind minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear him a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. My friends, we did not meet God halfway. I was talking to some pastors this morning before we even got, uh, came to church. And, uh, the, you know, the, this, uh, in, in, 
in, uh, in, in the 1800s when we built the first intercontinental railroad across our country. We started on two ends, met in the middle at Promontory Point. And it was like we both started and met, then everything came together. That's not how your salvation went. Your salvation started with God, came from God, landed with God, was, was, was solidified at the cross by God, and then we got to cross over. It was started on one side and came to us. We did not meet him. There's nothing that we did to try to actually get the bridge built. We didn't help him build the bridge. We didn't do anything to do the work. He actually started everything, completed everything, sanctified everything, and made everything holy. He did it all. The Bible says, then Joseph being aroused from sleep. Can I just speak that over us today? I think there's something that the Spirit has been saying to the church at large, especially in America, over the last, that it's got to, we have to be aroused from our sleep. We've been hearing the Word of God. We've had visions from God. We've got dreams from God. I can't tell you how many pastors, how many pastors' conferences I hear about the dreams and the visions. Awesome. Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a vision. Joseph heard the word, but then he was aroused from his sleep. Come on. Somebody has to get aroused from their sleep and actually start putting what God is saying into action. The Bible says he did not know her. He married her, but he did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and they called him Jesus. I think one of the most difficult things that we can do in our lives is to truly raise up and wholeheartedly a vision, a life, a dream that does not originate in us. Come on, don't get me wrong, dreams that originate in us, they often have so much connection to us and so much pull in, into, they're so strong in us that many times they will cause us to do almost anything to have those dreams fulfilled. How many of us have done things that we never thought we'd do in order to get the dream that we thought we had fulfilled? We'll do almost anything. However, God's dreams do not start in us and then go to Him. It starts in Him and then comes to us. That's why we struggle with this. It's why we struggle with church sometimes. It's why we struggle with living together with the vision of God that God has for communities of faith. Because the vision didn't originate in us. The dream didn't start in us. We're still trying to get people to live out our dream and help us in our dream. How can you help me live out my dream? I can't tell you how many times people have started that conversation with me as a pastor. How can you help me start out my dream? And I'm still saying, how are you and I living out the dream God has for us. This dream started with an us. It started with an us. The us was he and God, and then he, God, and Mary. There was an us, and then it was he, God, and Mary, and Jesus, an us. Salvation started in him and came to us. Love was birthed in him and came to us. Forgiveness started in him and flows to us. But I think sometimes we have learn through religion to compartmentalize these two things. We have God's dream for our lives over here and then our godly dream that we hope he blesses over here. But as we see in Joseph, they cannot be separated. They have to come together. In order for Joseph to be the father of Jesus, he needed to marry Mary. He could not be a long-distance dad. He could not be an absentee father. 
The Bible said in order for God's will to be lived out in this moment, he had to be willing to adopt a child that was not his. He had to be willing to adopt a vision that God started that was not his. See, God's vision for your life is not yours. It starts and it includes you. It's got a plan for you. It's got a will for you. It's got an increase for you. It's got change for you, but it is not started in you. This is why we in America struggle because everything starts with us. Have it my way. My opinion is the first opinion that matters. Then I will look for other opinions that match my opinion. We have been taught, to, we've been taught ways that undermine this concept that God's trying to do inside of us. But he had to marry the one who would birth Jesus, who would bring Jesus into the center of his life. It wasn't about being around Jesus. It was about being married to the one that would bring Jesus into the center of it. God's dream for him did not include simple salvation and forgiveness. It included an alignment and an assignment. This is part of what Pastor John talked a little bit about last week, understanding our assignment. Because God not only gives us an alignment to be right with him, but he gives us an assignment to do right with him. And this is where so often we miss out because at times we're thinking, I just got to be right with God. I just got to be right with God. I just got to be right without God. That's the first part of the equation of God's will, which is actually an alignment. We can't do anything outside of the alignment. But the alignment doesn't stop. It also comes with an assignment. Hey, Joseph, I've got a will for you. I need you to listen to me and trust me and then marry Mary. There's an assignment. I think the issue is an alignment with no assignment gives us relationship without direction. We're wandering around without any real lasting impact. Don't get me wrong, we love Jesus, right? We love Jesus. How you doing today, man? I love Jesus. What's going on? I love Jesus. But when we're not actually doing anything right with him, there's no real lasting impact. Because we've got the right alignment, but we don't have an assignment. Do you realize we can see this in the Bible in probably one of the last places you'd think to think about it? In 2 Samuel chapter 11, the Bible talks about King David. There's this amazing moment. Do you remember the story of King David? The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. David had the right alignment. But the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, when it was time for kings to go out to war, he sent Joab. When it was time for kings to go out to war, he sent Joab. He stayed at home. Now, I mean, come on. You know, many of us may be thinking, well, what's the big deal? Maybe he was tired. Maybe, maybe he shouldn't have gone out. Maybe he was getting old. Maybe, maybe, maybe he, he desired to make sure, maybe he wanted to give somebody else a go, give somebody else a chance, you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know, but, yeah, but when it was time for kings to go out to war, the king stayed home. Seems like such a simple misassignment. But do you know what happens next? The Bible says when he was home, when he should have been out to war, he wandered up on top of a roof, looked out, and saw Bathsheba naked bathing. We all know what happens then. It went from a season of victory to a season of defeat. Here's a guy who had the right alignment but missed his assignment, and out of it, the lasting impact of that moment was disastrous. He had, may have had all the best intentions, but it brought disaster. 
But living out an assignment without an alignment gives us direction without any purpose. And what I mean by that is at times we, 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 we do what we think God's called us to vocationally and we, 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 we get busy and we work really hard, but we're still frustrated because we're not getting really what we think we should be getting. And all that hard work, either in ministry or in work or with our kids, leaves us unfulfilled because we've got the right assignment, but we're, we're not really living in the right alignment. We forgot why we're doing it. We forgot for whom we're doing it for. We forgot that we are serving the Lord with gladness, that everything that we do should go to glorify Him, that all the works of my hand are works of praise to Him. We see it in King Saul, don't we? The king right before David. He had position. He had success even. The Bible said Saul killed his thousands. Saul brought a nation from nothing, from tribes. He had success, and yet he was still so unfulfilled inside of his heart that when David started to worship, when God started to move, he got cranky, he got angry. He tried to kill what God was doing rather than elevate what God was doing because he had an assignment without the right alignment. We can be working hard all we want, but if we don't understand the why we do what we do and for whom we do it for, King Saul's right around the corner. That's why you got to love somebody like John the Baptist. John the Baptist sees Jesus coming. John the Baptist has crowds upon crowds upon crowds. He was the first rock star pastor. He was the first rock star preacher of his day. He had crowds that they couldn't believe. They were going out into the wilderness. They were going out to Coachella, right? They were out there in the middle of Burning Man. They were out there in the sun in the wilderness to see this dude who was eating locusts and wearing camel hair clothes, all messed up. He was awesome. He had success, but when he saw Jesus... He said, man, I must decrease because that dude needs to increase. He understood his alignment and his assignment. And something happens when we actually understand that God has called us to this alignment and assignment. Because where our alignment and our assignment meet is the collision point called faith. Faith. This is where faith is. Faith is not simply believing for something. Faith isn't just believing the impossible. Faith is the collision point where what God is doing and who we are doing it for comes into collision together. This is, this is where God brings Joseph to this place called faith. This place of questioning how will you respond to a vision, Joseph, that doesn't originate in you. How will you adopt and raise a vision that doesn't start with you? I think the challenge in today's modern Christianity, if we're honest, is that we have weaponized faith. We've we weaponized faith in order to get God to raise the life that we want, rather than worship the one who is faithful and trust in the vision that he wants. We've weaponized it. Just have faith for it. Just have faith for it. Just have faith for it. But see, faith is what God says. Faith is belief in what God says. Trust that he will do it. And obedience no matter what. It's not a belief system. It's a life system. 
And when we start talking about faith as we do this Advent season, understanding this is what we have to have to come to the child Jesus is faith. Faith, I believe, is founded in, on these three kind of core concepts, three scriptures that, that, that it's built. There's more scriptures that are built on top of it. There's more ideas that are built on top of it. But this actually is the foundation. Isaiah 55, 8 says this. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. My thoughts and my ways are higher than yours. You are not going to figure it out. You are not going to understand it. You are not going to make 2 plus 2 does not equal 4 in the way that I do math in my universe. That is not how God functions. My ways are not your ways. I see outside of time and space. I know things you don't know, and I'm planning things you can't even fathom to plan. You don't understand how me moving this chess piece is going to change something in 10 generations. But when I move this chess piece called Rahab out of the enemy's, out of the enemy's Jericho, and I move into that place called the whorehouse you don't understand that, that generations from now her line's going to birth Jesus see in the natural you'll say God can't use somebody like her what's God going to do with someone like that you don't understand how my chess pieces come together that is, if we got to get something right in our American mindset, our logic mindset, our opinionated, based mindset, is that we don't know what we don't know. We don't even know what we know. The only reason we know what we know is because God illuminated it for you. He goes on, by the way, in Isaiah 55, verse 11, to play the second foundation stone of faith that says this. My word goes out, and it does what I've purposed for it to do. My word goes out and does what I have purposed for it to do. It won't fail. God's word will never fail. But it doesn't fail compared to what you want it to do. It has a purpose attached to it from a kingdom perspective. Then the third pillar of faith is Romans 8.28. God works all things together because he loves us when we're, when we're living in his purpose. See, we always love God's going to work everything out together. No, no, no. you got to read that entire scripture. God is motivated by love, so he works things together when we are living out his purpose. God has a purpose. When we, work, when we, when we start to live in that purpose, God works all things together because his ways are higher than my ways. His word has a purpose attached to it, and it will not fail. Therefore, when I actually catch a ride on that word... When you catch a ride on the word, you'll arrive in the purpose. When Peter, when Peter got out of the boat, he didn't walk on the water. He walked on God's word. Peter said, say, say, tell me to come. Jesus says, come. And when he gets out of the boat, he's walking on the word. When you catch a ride on the word, you'll end up in the purpose. But we're trying to get our purpose into the word rather than the word to bring us into our purpose. This is why faith has been weaponized the wrong way in our culture. Because it's starting from the wrong purpose. My purpose to get God to do what I want, rather than his purpose to bring me where he needs. True faith, my friends, is how much we're willing to surrender and trust his will and his vision for our lives. When what he is asking us to adopt does not look, taste, or smell like our desires. By the way, I don't think it's accidental that Matthew here starts the genealogy of Jesus in verse 1 with Abraham and not Adam. Because Luke starts it with Adam. 
Matthew starts with Abraham. Why? Because Abraham is the father of faith. Matthew is tying this moment together, and he's saying just like God asked, come on, Abraham to have faith that started this ball rolling. So, Joseph, I'm asking you, will you be the father of faith? When you can't see the end, when you don't know how it's going to work out, when you can't see the pieces all fit together, will you become a father of faith? Because I believe Jesus is asking us the same question. The reality is, my friends, it's easy when the vision of God he's asking us to raise up and adopt is a life of cheers. Where everybody knows your name. Sorry, that was bad. A life of tears, like where it's all post-Jericho victories, where it's all Goliath wins. Like, that's awesome, where we're the head and not the tail, where we're more than conquer. When that part of the, the vision of God, man, we're all about that. That's easy to say yes to. I'm in, man, yeah. Living in the victory of God, I'm in 100%. And the problem is that is what our modern-day Christianity is chasing after, the life of cheers. But what happens when the vision of God and the life that God has before us that he's asking us to adopt is a life of tears in this season. A life of tears. When it doesn't look like the American dream or the name it and claim it vision, what if it looks like, hey Joseph, you're not going to have the wedding you thought you would have. You're definitely not going to have the honeymoon you dreamed about having. Your friends are going to roll their eyes constantly at the decision you made. You're going to be the butt of everybody's jokes every time you walk down the street. You're going to lose status and stature, and people are going to think less of you. You're going to need to leave the familiar. You've got to leave your country. You have to go be an immigrant in some other country with no rights. You're going to have to live knowing that some of the grief that your friends are feeling, they're going to blame on your child because the reason their child died is so that your child could live. You're going to have to live, Joseph, knowing that you won't see all of the victories your son's going to have. Because before your son has the victories, you won't be there. You're going to have to live, Joseph, with the knowledge that there's a target on your back from the enemy all the days of your life. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a life of cheers to me. There's tears before the cheers. And i got to be honest, church, I don't always understand you just got to bear, bear with me today. I don't always understand death. I don't understand why people go through seasons of long sickness. I don't understand Job's seasons in life sometimes. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Maybe you do. I don't. I can't work it out. Why people I love die and some other people who are going to hurt people don't. I can't figure out when some people get healed and other people don't get healed. I can't figure it out. I don't know. But faith tells me God's in it. That's what I know. That he hasn't left the season. He hasn't left me in the midst of the season. 
Faith tells me his way is higher than my way. I don't understand it, but I know that it has a purpose, and I know he's working it out, and I know that it will be good, whether it's good for now or good in eternity. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know he loves me, and he's working things together for good. That's what I know. That's what faith tells me. That's why we can say yes when everything inside of me wants to say no. Are you kidding me? I don't want that life. I want that marriage. I want the marriage I wanted. I want the honeymoon I want. I want to have stature. Do you know how hard I've worked to have a good name, Father? Dad, do you know what I've had to do to make sure my friends thought well of me? Do you know what I had to give up to be here? Do you know what I had to sacrifice, God, to have the life now? And now you want me to say yes to that life of tears? Easy. When the life he's asking you to adopt is tears. But what happens when it's a season of tears? The blind, Jesus heals a blind man and the disciples go, why is he blind? Did he sin or did his parents sin? And this will screw up your theology. Jesus said, no, it was all done so the glory of God could be revealed. What? Awesome, this side of the miracle. We're like, whoa, Jesus heals blind people. Yeah, Jesus. That dude was blind since birth. He didn't know a color. He stumbled through life. I'm sure he missed his prom. People laughed at him, joked on him. There was a season of tears for him before there was a season of cheers. The truth is, my friends, obeying God doesn't always mean happiness, but it will always birth peace. And this is what we need to wrestle with. This is what we have to grab a hold of in our modern world. It doesn't always mean happiness. And that's the, pro that's the challenge in our world where we're searching for what's going to make me happy. No, 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 what's going to bring my peace? What's going to establish peace in my life? Because once I have peace, I won't give it up. I won't be moved from my peace. My peace is my anchor. My peace is the anchor in the storm. My peace is my true north. My peace is the morning star. My peace will not move. What did Mary birth? The Prince of Peace. The Bible says Mary births what he gets connected to. Mary births the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his peace and government. There shall be no end, the Bible says. She births peace. Yeah, huh? Awesome. That's a story. Here's the problem. There was nine months between that word and then. There was labor pains for Mary. There, there was agony she was going through. Every mama knows what I'm talking about. There was pushing and tearing of things. There was horrible pain she was going through. There was tears before the tears came. See, because sometimes it's faith plus time. Sometimes you're in the tears for a time. It's how we respond in those moments that matter. Sometimes the thing that we're raising comes through tears and clenched teeth. And when I was younger, when I was younger, we had a coal uh, fireplace in our house. Um, and uh, it heated our whole house. It was in the living room. And so sometimes when I was younger, I had to get up in the middle of the night, go out in the cold winter, right? 
It's it's cold in Jersey in the winter. It's dark. It's cold. I'm miserable. I had to go out with a bucket, grab some coal out of the shed, come back, throw it into the thing. You got to get back into bed. Now you're cold. You're freezing, right? It's just horrible. It's horrible. But here's what I know. If I didn't do it, I would have still been cold. Obedience was the thing that heated me up. Obedience was the thing that heated me up. That's why we've got to grab a hold of 1 Samuel 15, 22 that says, Behold, this is God's will. God's will is obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice because obedience stokes the flames. Obedience stirs things up of God that's inside of us. Man, if we're feeling cold, if we're feeling distant from God, can I really encourage encourage you. Get back to being obedient to his word, his way, his will. Get in his presence. Start walking out his purpose. And before you know it, those cold embers that were glowing weakly are starting to blaze anew with fire and passion for God. I'm not, I'm a cook, but I'm not much of a barbecuer. And I know this, but I do know this. Man, a coal will burn you. But a flame, it's easier to start a fire with a flame. Come on, we're trying to change our world with coal. Wondering why our neighbors around us, do you know what happens with coal? You burn people. Because there's no fire, there's no passion for God. They're the rules of God. It's the things of God. It's the, this is right with God. Isn't it interesting to you that, by the way, in the Bible, Moses takes a coal, burns his lips, he becomes defective and hurt his whole life. But when, the whole, when, when God wanted to send the Holy Spirit, it came down in tongues of flames. Because it is flame, passion, that changes the world. I know we just talked about sacrifice earlier, and Shayla was so right. There's seasons of sacrifice, but can I just say this? Sacrifice that doesn't cost us anything is one of the lowest forms of worship. Sacrifice that doesn't cost us anything. That doesn't cost obedience. But that's what religion will make it the highest form of offering. Just give things up for God. Give thi- we have whole seasons of giving things up for God. God's saying, I don't care about that. Are you obeying me? Are are you raising up the the vision I have for you? Are you raising up the life I've got for you? Where are we on that? I was saying to our team a few weeks ago that there's a reason, there's a reason that God put the law and sacrifices in the Old Testament because he needed us to understand the power of no so that before we could understand the value of the beauty of yes. Yes. The Old Testament precedes the New Testament. See, that's why we have our parents. This, this is for parents at the moment. We have our parenting backwards in our culture right now. We are afraid to tell our kids no. We want to make sure that they understand the power of yes so that when we tell them no, they know we mean it. No, 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 no. The Bible has the no first so that you can understand the beauty of yes. Because the constant yes produces entitlement when the no sets the boundaries. See, I have to know what I was saved from before I understand the value of being saved. I have to know what sin is before I recognize how to be saved from being a sinner. 
There's a power of no before I understand the beauty of yes. God's will for Joseph may not have presented to him the home Joseph wanted, but it brought him into the home that Joseph needed. Our obedience and faith, whether to a life of cheers or tears, may not bring us into the life we want, but it will always bring into our life the one we need, who is Jesus. I think the trap, we're going to be done in a few moments. I think the trap and the temptation that we all face, like Joseph, is to try to create a, a, a life of peace void of obedience, void of faith, sometimes the radical faith that it requires to birth peace in our lives. Our soul wants to avoid the conflict, just like his did. I'm going to put her away quietly. To avoid the uncomfortable encounter. To quietly dist uh, create distance between ourselves and the thing we perceive would cause this discomfort. I'm just going to divorce my wife. We're trying to create peace by removing anything that would be uncomfortable. It sounds a lot like to me of what Abraham, the father of faith, did. Again, Matthew throws it back to this. Genesis 16 tells me this. Abraham had a promise that even at an old age he was going to have a son. And his son would actually birth nations. It was going to be amazing. Sarah and he were old beyond childbearing years. It required faith to do the impossible. But they were trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and nothing in the natural was happening. And so Genesis 16, Sarah comes in and says, uh, hey, I've got a slave. Her name is Hagar. Go sleep with her. Here's the problem. He avoided the confrontation with Sarah. He avoided the, uh, the uncomfortable confrontation with his princess, by the way. That's what her name means. She's my princess. I don't want to upset princess. I don't want princess upset with me because after all, happy wife, happy life. Or maybe it's holy wife, holy life. I don't want to I don't want to rock the apple cart. And he tries to live. He tries to live to create the life he desired by keeping the peace with the voice that was going to give him what he wanted when he wanted it. And you know what it birthed? Conflict. Confrontation. Till this day. Division. The truth is, my friends, we can't create peace. It can only be birthed by God. You can't create it. It can only be birthed by Him. Abraham fathered Isaac and Ishmael. One comes from the womb in which God's will was birthed and out of which the Messiah would actually be brought into the world. The other one comes from the womb in which only confrontation and hatred was produced. Both required action. Both said they were from the word. But only one was birthed by trusting God to do it. Trusting God to do it. Trusting God to do it. You know, the beautiful thing about this life of peace that God gives us 
is that God says you don't have to do it alone because you can't create it, but I'll birth it. You don't have to do it alone. I'm going to be there. You can lean into me. I understand, Joseph, what you're going through. I understand what it means to actually have to adopt children that were not your intention from the beginning because my friends you and I were not God's intention from the beginning God created Adam perfect we are a result of the fall God had to adopt us in to his family it was not his original intention God had to actually at a cost at a price pay the ultimate price of sacrifice of his son to redeem and adopt those of us on the other side, Joseph, I understand what grieving looks like. I understand what hurt looks like. I understand what tears look like. I lost Adam in the garden. I had to flood all of humanity because of what was going on. Man, Israel, my bride, I had to divorce her because she wandered away from me. I understand the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the ones who were closest to me in the temple. They didn't even, they didn't even recognize my Messiah. You don't understand. I understand tears. Joseph, I understand them. I had to send my son to die on the cross to adopt a vision that was different from what I had originally intended. You can lean in. I know what it feels like to grieve. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You don't have to do this thing alone. And by the way, you don't have to do it alone because I'm calling you to marry Mary. I'm not asking you to date her. I'm not asking you to be engaged to her. I'm telling you, marry the bride. Wherever the bride goes, you go. Whatever the bride does, you do. You want to take care of the bride. You need to protect the bride. You need to be with the bride. It is not about being a distant dad. It is not about being some far off path. You got to be up with the bride. You got to ma Come on, how different would our lives be if we understood that peace could be birthed when we, did when we do this thing together? That there are things that people are carrying inside of this room that actually will birth peace in your life. When we do this thing together, we start going through times of tears and we start exiting from the bride. We start getting a distance from the bride. We start holding the bride at long time because we don't want our bride to see us the way that we are. And yet there was something Mary was carrying that was deep inside of her that Joseph couldn't produce for himself, couldn't produce in himself, could never birth out of himself. It was only birthed when he married and stayed together with the bride. It is not just you and God. It is you and God and the bride. How do we do it? There's a moment in Exodus when there's a battle raging all around Israel. And Moses, the image of God, the image of the Father goes up on the hill. And every time he raises his arms, there's victory. And every time his arms get tired, they start to lose. There's cheers, and there's tears. And God said, cool, you don't have to do this battle alone. You don't have to do this battle alone. I'm going to send you an Aaron, and I'm going to send you a her. I'm going to send you an Aaron, 
and I'm going to send you a her. And when you are seated on the rock, if you will get seated on the rock, if you will get seated and planted on the rock, if you become unmovable from the place on the rock of Jesus Christ, I will send an Aaron and a her that will lift up your hands. And the season of tears will go to have become a season of cheers. There's a transition moment that only God can bring. What he brings about, he's saying, man, I'll be your Aaron and Mary will be your her. I will be on one side and the bride will be on the other other. I'm not calling you just to have one hand raised. I'm not calling you just to sit on the rock. I'm calling you to have a life with me and a life with the bride. And out of this life will be birthed Christ, the Prince of Peace. It may not change your situation, but it will change you in the situation. Joseph still had to go to Egypt. Joseph still was mocked, so was Mary. Mary had to see her only son die on the cross. It started with tears, it ended with tears with Mary. Oh no. Sometimes the situation doesn't change. But who we are in the situation will always change. When we let God and his bride be the Aaron and her that lift up our hands in our season of tears. We have a God who comes by the brokenhearted. Tears may come at night, but joy cometh in the morning. Come on, let's pray. My friends, it's easy to say, do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to live eternally with God? Of course, the majority of people are going to say yes because that is the life of cheers. But then there is this. Will you die to yourself and live for Christ? Will you surrender your will and live for his? Are you willing to decrease so that he can increase? Jesus is my Savior. He's on one side lifting up that arm. And Jesus is my Lord. He's on the other side lifting up that arm. And when Jesus is my Savior, and when Jesus is my Lord, no matter what season I'm going through, I'll be standing in peace. Today, where are you? Where are you with Jesus? Where are you with the vision God has for your life? Where are you with saying yes to the cheers and the tears, the Savior and the Lord? Because the Bible simply says that if I will confess Jesus as Lord with my mouth and believe in my heart that he died for me and rose again as my Savior, Today I shall be saved. The old will go, the new has come. The kingdom of peace that he brought will be birthed inside of me. Oh, there still may be chaos on the outside, but peace will reign on the inside. So I'm not asking today whether you like church, whether you're a good person, 
The measuring stick of heaven is perfection in which we all fall short. I am saved by grace through faith apart from any work lest I boast. We're going to pray in just a second. Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart but today's the day. Ask him to be the Lord and Savior. Let him lift up both hands. Give him full permission to put in front of you whatever vision of life he has for you and tell him you're all in. Maybe you've prayed that prayer before, but to be honest, your embers are growing cold. Today, there's a moment of obedience that's called repentance that can change all that. And it's just you saying, God, I'm sorry. I took too much control of my life. I've put my hands too much on the wheel. I'm going to surrender it all today. No matter what it is, Lord God, whatever that vision is, I'm saying yes. And I'm giving you full control. So whether this is your first time or you're just coming back to Jesus, will you pray this with me from the bottom of your heart? We'll all pray. Let you pray. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you my life. I take my hands off of it. I give you full control. Whatever the vision of life that you have for me, I say yes to. I surrender to. I fully embrace because I trust you. I trust you love me. So I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the full Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of all my sins and wash me clean. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Set me ablaze with your passion. I choose from this day forward to live for you and you alone. To you, Jesus, I say yes. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we give God some glory? Lord, thank you so much for lives that are being changed today in this room online today. People who are listening, Father, in the name of Jesus. Woo. Church, thank you for letting me share that with you this morning. We will never truly understand the beauty of this Christmas morning if we don't understand the cost that it took to get to Christmas. Real people paid a real price. Real people like you and me. Real people like you and me. I don't have to pay any price to get to heaven. It's already paid. But my friends, there will be a price to bring heaven to earth. There always has been and there always will be. But in the midst of it, Jesus may never promise you happiness, but I promise you there will always be peace. For the Prince of Peace has come. Of the increase of his government, of the increase of his 
peace, there shall be no end. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Come on, can you praise Him for it just for a moment? By the way, isn't it really cool that thousands of years before the Romans ever designed this thing to kill Jesus on, that God showed the world the banner on which they'd be saved? The Bible says that Moses went up on a hill and he sat on a rock. The rock is always Jesus. And on one side, there was Aaron, the high priest. On the other side, there was her. Her means the pit. Aaron means light. What did Jesus do? He brought us out of the pit and into the light. The enemy was defeated on the day that this symbol was on top of the hill. What did Moses name that place? Afterwards, he built an altar and said, God said, name this place Jehovah Nisi. Upon this banner, you will find salvation. My God loves you so much that for thousands of years before you needed it, he showed you how you would be saved. And he didn't deviate from it, no matter the tears and the grief and the sorrow it cost him. Because on that cross, there was both a season of tears and a season of cheers. What a God we serve. Hey, Pastor Rick is going to come really quickly. Can you guys give Pastor Rick a hand really quickly as he's coming? Thank you, Pastor Kyle. Incredible sermon today. I'm going to use some of it for our collision of faith right now where alignment meets assignment and it's the season of faith right now with this advent calendar and that's what giving unto God is, it's faith it's the substance of things to hope for, the evidence of things not seen and as Pastor Kyle said, it, his ways aren't our ways and the challenge today is for some of us, actually for all of us the tithe is the math doesn't work. When we sit down and we look at our IRA, when we sit down and look at the uh, money we're saving for college or whatever the budget is, when we sit down in the natural, the math doesn't add up. But that's okay. That delta, that delta of faith allows God into our life, into our finances, and into the kingdom of God. I read recently something that's about six, 700 years old. Um, many hands make light work, many hands. And that's what we do as the bride in the local expression at Connect Church. When we all are obedient to what God wants us to do, we accomplish his vision in our life. And uh, to do this, you can get your phone out and look at the QR code that's on the screen right now. You can also go to the envelopes on the various tables around you and give into the kiosk on both sides of the exit doors. It's easy. And one last thing that I think uh, is important, when we put giving and tithing on automatic, it removes the daily decision and it shows God. In the kingdom of God, when you would put that first, everything else 
is added unto us. That's the good news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the word that we receive. Lord, may we integrate it into our hearts and into our life and into our actions. We thank you for the provisions that you have given us the ability to provide for, not only for our tithes today, but also our offering for our Christmas store. We thank you for dying on the cross for us, Lord. We thank you for enabling us to accept the free gift of salvation for your, from your grace. And we just ask that you bless this offering. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Did I turn? There we go. I turned it off. First of all, let me just say thank you for being here. Thank you for giving. Thank you for the many notes that uh, Pastor D and I received this week. Thank you for being there for the Smith family through it all. I look forward to celebrating, continuing to celebrate Sharon's life with you on Thursday. You know, it's amazing to be it's such a moment and a season of tears. But all I keep hearing time and time again from stories from people I've never even met before about what Sharon has done. Like, <laughs> your testimony lives beyond you. Your testimony lives beyond you. It doesn't stop with you. Your testimony lives beyond you. And there's such, there's things to celebrate for. Because God is doing things. I'm going to let you guys go. Let me pray over you. Don't forget toy stores this Sunday night. Come next Sunday night. Father, in the name of Jesus. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. Daddy, I'm just going to say it and say it and say it. There's no one like our God. There's no one like our God. There's no one like our God. Mighty in power, gracious in goodness, compassionate and kind and wonderful. You are light in our darkness, Lord God. You are peace in our chaos. You are a voice that calms the storm. Holy Spirit, I pray a fresh anointing on each and every person in this room, Lord God. Everybody who's listening online, in the name of Jesus, I pray that those tongues of fire may fall from heaven upon each and every person, Lord God, to start and stir up a flame inside of us that we can't contain, we can't control, Lord God, that burns brightly for you. Lord, that gives you the glory and the honor and the power and the praise, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in people's lives. Daddy, we are believing that the peace that passes all understanding may be in our hearts and our minds this week. That they may guard our footsteps, Lord God. That our mouth may give praise to you when we rise up and when we put our head on the pillow at night. That your name may be glorified. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Whatever the vision will is you have for our lives, we say yes, Lord. We say yes, we say yes, we say yes because we trust you. We love you. 
And we thank you that your word says, although I may have tears in the night, I know there will be joy in the morning because our God is a good God. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. I'll see you this week. I'll see you next Sunday night.